I'm the administrative pastor here at Church in the Valley, and I'll give you one guess what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, that's right. We're going to be talking about money, money, money. Um, we're glad that you're here with us today. Today we're wrapping up our message series um, that, that we've called The Sweet Life. And in this series, we've been taking a look at what does the sweet life look like according to the Bible? We've been, through, throughout the different weeks, we've been looking at different areas of our life and what the Bible has to say about how to live in those areas in a way that produces a really sweet life. It'd be difficult to address the sweet life without talking about money. We spend a lot of time either earning money or spending money, um, but we spend, uh, spend a lot of time and money impacts a lot of the quality of our life. Um, there's, there's a lot of varying perspectives when it comes to money. You can strive to, to make as much money as, as you can, and you can be maybe something like this, this guy here. I want to have just enough money to be able to decide for myself if money solves everything. You know, that's a perspective. I just want enough to be able to decide, is, is this going to solve it all? Is it going to bring my life together? Or you might be like this gal here. I just want to make enough money to never have to think twice about adding the guacamole. You know, you go out to a restaurant, maybe you're like her. I just, you know, maybe I don't even want the guacamole, but I don't want to have to think about how much it costs. Maybe that's your, your goal with money. Now, the, these pictures, they're funny, but they're funny because there's an element of truth to them that really resonates with us. And with money, it's easy to think. You know, I, I'm not really, I'm not rich. I'm not striving to become rich necessarily. So I'm not really in danger of being consumed by it, right? Or I, I don't think about money all the time, so I'm, I must be okay with, with the whole money thing. No matter where you're coming from today, whatever your perspective is, we all face to some degree what we're calling the money mirage. Um, one definition of mirage is something illusory without substance or reality to it. Now, we're going to show a picture here that you can take a look at, look at and you, you can see there, it, it looks like there's some water there. You're in the desert. It looks like there's some water there. If I can just get to the water, then I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be taken care of. But the problem is, it's not really there. It's a mirage. So you get there, and then you realize, oh no, i got to search for, for water somewhere else so that I can be satisfied, so I can be fulfilled. In the same way, money can play tricks on us like that there can be this money mirage where we think you know if we just had a little bit more money then everything's really going to come together for us the money mirage is more money equals an easier and better life now that's the mirage but it really does seem like the solution to a lot of our problems I know for me, when an unexpected bill comes in that I didn't know was coming, that's why it's unexpected, if you don't know it's coming, but when an unexpected bill comes in, I think, you know, if I just had a little more money to pay for that, I, life would be so much easier. Or at the end of the month, when the bank account's getting low, you're trying to stretch till you make it till the next time you get paid, 
You just think, you know, a little bit more would just make this so much easier. Or you see somebody else with more money and you just think, you know what, I'd like to experience that. I'd like to, to have that kind of a, a life where I don't have to worry or what I, where I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay for things. When I face these things, I, I can just start to think. Life would be so much easier if I had more money. Not a lot. I'm not trying to get rich. I just need just a little bit more. And, and life, will be, life will be better. And that's the question. Is more money really the answer? Will more money really give me the peace, the security, the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the sweet life that I'm searching for? Fortunately for us, the Bible has a lot to say about this. It has a lot to say about money. In fact, one of the things that you find out um, that the Bible says is that money is not the magic key to the sweet life. Now, in your program that you have there, there's a listening guide. You might want to pull that out, and it can help you follow along in the message today. Um, But that's the, the top point on that listening guide there. But money is not the magic key to the sweet life. Even though it calls to us and says that it is, it's not the magic key. Take a look at Ecclesiastes 5.10. It says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. So this verse, what it's talking about is that money, it's not going to satisfy itself. Um, shortly after I got married, um, my wife and I, we got, we got hit with unexpected medical bills that we didn't know were coming. And um, it, was, it, was, uh, it was scary. I never had to really handle my own finances, all of it anyway. I um, always had help from my parents. And this, these bills hit us. It was somewhere around $2,000. When I found out what it was going to cost, I immediately started running through our bank account balance and thinking through how, how are we going to pay for this? What are we going to cut out to, to pay for this? What are, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do to take care of this. And I didn't know how, how it was going to all work out. And when you don't know how it's going to work out, it causes a lot of anxiety. And I was just, it was causing me a lot of anxiety. How am I going to pay for this? And I kept thinking, what's going to happen if I can't pay for this? I remember thinking... You know, if I just had that little bit more, just had that little bit more, then I wouldn't have to worry about this. I wouldn't have to stress and have anxiety over how I'm going to pay for this next bill. I remember thinking I, I would just be content with just a little bit more, not a lot, just a little bit more. But the thing is, when money becomes a means for our contentment, even if we think it's just a little bit more, it's just, you know, a little bit so we, we can add the guacamole. It's just a little bit more. When that becomes our means for contentment, what happens is we end, we end up entering this perpetual cycle of discontent. Because if I would have gotten just that little bit of money right then, then a new need's going to come up. And then I'm going to want just a little bit more for that need or a new want is going to come up. Then I'm going to need just a little bit more money for that, and I'm going to spend my life going back and forth, wanting 
just a little bit more. And I'm entering into this cycle of discontent. And this dissatisfaction, it just sneaks into our lives. We don't realize that it's happening. And we, we think, you know, money can't be the problem because I don't love money like these verses talk about in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 5.10 talks about loving money. I don't love money like it talks about. But what does that really mean to love money? What, how can you recognize when you're slipping into discontent? How can you recognize where you're slipping into loving money? When we love someone or something, um, there's certain things that we do um, to express that love. One is we give our time, our energy, and our attention to it. Now, money in, in our culture, it, it gets a lot of time, gets a lot of energy. It gets a, a lot of attention in just our daily lives. Um, we work so we can make a living, provide for a family. That, that's usually at least 40 hours a week. We make budgets for our money. We watch our bank accounts to make sure we have enough money in there to, to buy what we're trying to buy. Now, all of those things, they're needed. We need to do those things so that we can provide for ourselves, our families, um, etc. But it's easy to cross the line from being good stewards of our money and, and keeping a close tabs on it into loving it in an unhealthy way. Thinking about money, more money, will continue to take more and more of our time. It just does. And if we have the perspective that just a little bit more is going to give me what I really want in life, it's going to bring my life together, then we're going to keep giving more and more of our time until it really starts to sacrifice other areas of our life. An example of, of going for more money that, that, might, that, that will cause you to slip into loving money would be maybe um, you want a new car or a house or you want to send your kids to private school or send them to summer camp and you don't have the money for it. Maybe it's a vacation, whatever it is. We want something that we don't have enough money for now. And so we, we start a new side business or we start to take on more and more overtime opportunities. And before you know it, it's just snowballing and taking up more and more of our time. Now, Overtime opportunities, starting a side business, th- those, aren't, those aren't bad things. Those can be good things. But the question is, what is being sacrificed by choosing to do those things? What is being placed, what, is, what importance is being overtaken by the time that money is taking in my life? That's the real question there. And if I'm sacrificing my family, my relationships, or my growing in my relationship with God to get more money, then there's something out of balance there. I'm starting to shift into loving money. Now, another thing that that we do to show love to something is we get focused on things that we love. So um, you, you might say, you know, they're obsessed with, you know, baseball. I grew up, I played baseball, I love baseball. My younger Years, you might have said, he's obsessed with baseball. Being obsessed with, with money, what it looks like is you just, you think about it all the time, how to make more. Or maybe you're just thinking, I want to be a good steward. I want to manage my money so well. And you just end up thinking about it so much that it starts to take up 
time where you should be thinking about other things. And so you're wanting to be to manage your money well, and it just takes up more and more time. It takes up time when you should be handling other responsibilities. So that's the question there is, is the time I spend on my money thinking about it, is that distracting me from the other responsibilities that I have in front of me right there? And then another way that we show we love someone or something is by turning to it in times of need. You know, my example earlier, when we, hit, we got hit with these unexpected medical expenses, and I was turning to my money to provide the security and the safety that I needed there instead of turning to trust God to provide for those needs, and, and he did provide for us. So where do you turn first when the unexpected comes? Is it to the bank account ledger, or do you turn to God to trust him? The thing with trust is that where you put your trust in life, it really determines how sweet your life is going to be. Let's take a look at 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, and it talks about this. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich, fall into a temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. This verse, now it's packed with a lot of insights about money. And it paints a much different picture for our life than just thinking, you know, just a little bit more money and life's going to come together. So I want to take a, uh, some time here and go through the verses, verse by, by verse, to just look and see what insights we can pull out from these verses about more money. More money, it's, it's of far less value than spiritual increase. First Timothy 6.6 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great, great gain. This verse is, is really, it's a help to us if we pay attention to it, to, if we look at its instruction. Notice how money is not wrapped at all into, um, into contentment there. It, this is like a warning sign where you, maybe you're on a hike and you, you get a warning sign where it's, you know, there's a cliff coming or um, you know, one-way road warning sign. I don't know if you've ever turned down a one-way road. That's a scary experience. I've been there. Cars are coming at you. Um, you want to heed those signs and what they say. And this is like a warning sign that's saying, don't fall into the trap thinking money's going to satisfy you. That's what this verse is talking about. Godliness with contentment. That's great gain. And then um, and going on, more money is it's short-sighted without the right plan and perspective. 1 Timothy 6, 7 and 8 says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if you have food and clothing, with these we will be content. This verse can really transform your life. Marketing tells us that we have to have the newest and greatest thing to be happy in our life. But in, in reality... All that is, is, is just things that we can't take out of this world, like this verse is talking about. 
marketing tells us to buy more and more of that stuff. Because that's how we're going to be happy. That's how we're going to be satisfied. But this verse is saying, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of it. So don't spend your life accumulating the stuff that you can't take out of it. So if we really take this verse seriously, apply it to our life, then, then we can pull out of the cycle of just wanting more and more stuff that the companies want us to want, to spend more and more money so that they get more and more money. More money also has some dangerous pathways to it. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It turns out that the, the sweet life that think we think we can get from money, it, it's just full of traps. When I think back to the different times where I felt like, you know, if I just, could, just got a little bit more money here, then life's going to come together for me. Those were times where God really grew me. He stretched my faith. And if I had the money just sitting in my bank account, then I would just turn to that and pay off whatever it is without having those opportunities to grow in my relationship with God. And God has used those to really grow my faith, to stretch me, to grow more and more like him. And when we have the money just to cover it all, then it's easy for us to really just think we got it all figured out. It's easy for us to get an inflated view of ourselves creating a misplaced hope. 1 Timothy 6, 17, the first part of 17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. More money, it it can help in circumstances. But the thing is, our, our bank accounts, they're always changing. And it really is the uncertainty of riches, like the verse is talking about here. Money can just be wiped out in, in an instant. Unexpected expense comes up or we invest in something that's, that's not a, a good investment. It can just be gone in an instant. So we got to be careful where our trust is put. And when we have a lot of money, our trust can easily be transferred to, to the money to provide us with the security that, that we need. Now, I'm not saying that getting more money is all bad. All of these points for more money, they're, they're kind of negative. <laughs> um, but that's not what I'm saying. More money, it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but there's serious, um, dangerous warning signs that, that are being talked about in, in these verses because um, money can turn our hearts into self-sufficiency, thinking that we got it all figured out. Um, on our own. And so more money, it, it, it can cause us to really turn and, and trust in our financial situation rather than turning to God. But it turns out that setting our hope on God is really the key to true fulfillment in life. First Timothy six seventeen through 19 says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, 
but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take, ho- they may take hold of that which is truly life. This verse is challenge- challenging us to take a different perspective when it comes to our money. It tells us not to, to set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but to, to look to God, to trust in him um, with, with our money. Now, it gives us some, some things to use our money on as well. Um, in verse 17, it, it says to use our money to enjoy. Enjoy. Our, it's okay to use our money for enjoyment. Now, depending how, on how you're wired, this might come naturally to you, to use your money to enjoy. You might, you might easily do that. You got that one down. Or you, you might feel guilty when you take your money and use it to, to enjoy it, depending on how you're wired. But part of the reason that God gives us our money is for our enjoyment. So we, we don't need to feel guilty when we use it to enjoy the money. We can enjoy the money that God has given us. Now, we need to be responsible in how we enjoy the money God has given us. You know, depending on your financial situation, 7-Eleven Slurpee might be what you do to enjoy your money. Or it might be the trip to Hawaii. But we want to be responsible in how we enjoy our, our money, but that's part of the reason God's given it to us. Um, another thing to use our money is to do good and be rich in good works. And God gives us our resources so that we can do good with it. The thing is, when we do good with it, it really helps us to keep a right perspective on our money. It helps us to not get so inward focused and, and be secure in, in the money that we have when we use it to bless other people, to give it to, 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 for good works. It really helps us to keep our perspective on our money so that it's not just so we don't fall into that trap of, of just going for more and more stuff. And then we also want to use our money to be generous and, and ready to share it. In verse 18, it talks about this. Generosity really is one of the keys to, the sweet, to, to having sweetness in our life. Verse 19 says, talks about being generous, and it says, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, this seems like a, a, a paradox. It seems upside down, but it's really true. When we release our resources to do good, to be generous, we're living for something greater than ourselves. We, we're using our hard-earned money that God has given us for purposes that are, gonna, that are eternal. And God really does bless us when we step out in faith to live for something greater than ourselves. Our culture, it, it's all about self-sufficiency. That's the, the American dream. It's being self-sufficient. We, t- we make our money we use it for what we want. We stash enough of it away so that we can retire and, and do what we want at the end of our life. But really, the, the truth of, of, of the matter is that doing those things, it just causes us to miss out on real sweetness in life because we're so focused on ourselves while we're doing those things. But the real sweet life is going to come from trusting God 
by, by choosing humility and deferring to others. We talked about that in the first week of this message series. And then the second week, we talked about pursuing peace in the face of conflict. Then we talked about how to handle our responsibilities with diligence and gratitude. And we talked about, and then today, talked about hoping in God and being generous people, generous to other people, to, to um, eternal things. We've looked at each of these principles in this message series called The Sweet Life. Now, maybe you, you missed um, a couple of the, the messages and you want to go back and listen to them. If you do, we have these messages on our website at churchinthevalley.com that you can go back and listen to them if you'd like to. But The Sweet Life, it comes as we choose to move beyond ourselves and to live for something greater. I want to share a, a quote with you from a man named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was, he was one of five missionaries who lost his life taking the gospel about Jesus Christ to an unreached people group in the jungles of Ecuador. Throughout his life, he kept a journal detailing his thoughts on God, obedience, and sacrifice. Take a look at this quote from his journal. It says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott, in in his journal, he's really encouraging. He's encouraging us to do what 1 Timothy 6 is talking about. Live in a way that you spend your resources on things that are going to last, not not on things that that are going to stay on this earth, but on things that that are going to last. And as we, as we wrap up this morning, let's, let's consider some practical ways that we can do what he's talking about here. <clears throat> let's consider uh, some of those ways. One, one of those things that, that you might want to do is just actively ask God to show you how to use your resources for good. It really is a blessing to, to give money to something that, that's for good and to see that you're a part of making that happen. Um, another, another thing that you might want to do is to have a conversation this week with someone about your current money stresses. Um, you, you might be in a situation where you're, you're stressed about your money. There's a lot of anxiety there. So it might help. It helps to talk to people about that. The band is coming back up as I'm wrapping up here. Um, it, it might help to have a conversation with somebody. Talk to them. Ask for prayer. Ask for perspective. Um, it's really helpful to just have a conversation with someone about money. Trusting God and doing life his way is really the key to the sweet life. Now, many of you here, you could stand and you could really affirm that because you've experienced that in your life. You stepped out in faith, you've trusted God, and you've seen him come through for you. But some of you here, you, you might have never really crossed the line with, with, with God. You've, you might have not surrendered your life to Jesus, to make him the boss of your life. And if that's the case, if you, if you haven't um, taken that step of faith to, to make Jesus the Lord, the boss of your life, then I'd, I'd like to help you nail that down. If you take out that connection card that um, we talked about earlier in the service, you can flip over that connection card and you can check on the back of there, beginning a relationship with Jesus. If you mark that box, somebody will be in touch with you. Um, somebody on staff will be in touch with you this week to help clarify what that means to make Jesus the boss of your life.
And then there's also on the back of that connection card, um, there's some next steps that you might want to take, some other next steps you might want to take in response to the message today. You might want to memorize 1 Timothy 6.17. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Memorizing a verse in the Bible can really help you to, to keep the right perspective as it comes to your, your money. It can help get the word of God, the Bible, into your heart so that you can respond rightly to situations. So that might be a next step that you want to take today. Or a, another one might be co- to come next week as we launch our new message series called Hometowns. In this series, we're going to be taking a look at community. What, it, what it's like to have community that really um, is a blessing to you, a blessing to the people around you. And so we are going to be uh, taking a look at that starting next week. I'd like to invite you back to join us for that. Would you pray with me as we continue to worship the Lord? Thank you, Lord, um, just for today. Thank you for the, the opportunity to look at, at what the Bible has to say and really um, to, to see what it has to say and, and to change our lives to be more like you and your ways. I just pray that you give us perspective on our money situation and what we need to do to really steward the resources well and how we can really use the money you've given us to experience the sweet life that that you want for each of us to have. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.